Hello everyone, this is Jerome. I serve as a community pastor here at First Christian Church. Welcome to our brand new podcast. I'm so glad that we get to serve you today through this message. God bless you. Let's get into the word. GR means it is the famous acronym for extra grace required people. Do you have any EGR people in your life besides the person you're sitting next to? Maybe. Um, Yeah, I, I grew up just marveling watching my mom, this woman with plenty of love to go around for everyone, especially people who most of the rest of us just didn't have time for. And she made time for people who felt unloved, who were just kind of on the fringes, who she had this sort of sixth sense that they needed attention and affirmation and to be focused on, to be paid attention to. All these little ingredients for my mom, it was way more than an idea. And uh, the Lord gave me a wife that's just like her. Kathy amazes me with the love that she has for all kinds of people and the time that she makes for people like that. And so I, you know, I, I feel guilty in her presence sometimes. And when I reflect on my mom, I think, okay, Lord, help me to be a little bit more like that. And we notice this quality in Jesus. We're going to talk about that here this morning. So as we continue our journey to be like Jesus in this month in January, we're pushing pause a little bit just to ask the question, what does it really mean to be like Jesus? I don't want to just assume, no, that we, that any of us totally do. This is probably a journey for the rest of our lives, right? Figuring out what it means to be like Jesus, noticing at every turn how we're not like him and asking for his help to be more like him. But I think a good thing for us to ask is what stands out about Jesus that should also stand out about us if we claim to be his followers. And I've noticed at least four unmissable traits about Jesus in the Gospels. And last week we talked about how, first of all, he had a life purpose, and it was clear, and he talked clearly about it all the time. And we looked at the story of how, of the healing of the man born blind, and a statement that Jesus made when he was talking to his disciples about this man that was right there in front of them was, that what had happened to him was so that the works of God might be displayed in his life. And then Jesus made the statement, we must do the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. And as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus had a life purpose. We can't miss that. Secondly, he loved unloved sometimes unlovely people, sometimes even unlovable people. We're going to look at that one this morning. And thirdly, he stood his ground against evil. And we see this happening over and over again in the stories about Jesus in the Gospels. And he overcame evil with good every single time. And then finally, maybe the most obvious trait about Jesus is that he gave his life for what he believed. 
and he ended up sacrificing everything. Today, we're going to focus on the fact that Jesus loved the unloved, see what we can learn about that. And I think that if we miss this about Jesus, we've missed him completely. Just like when I think of my mother, there's no way that anyone who knew her could miss the fact that she had plenty of love to go around, especially for people that the rest of us found difficult to love, but not my mom. And in that way, she was a lot like Jesus. Jesus revealed the Father's love to us, not just by loving everyone, but by deliberately loving unlovely, unlovable, unloved, rejected, outcast people. And this is how he discipled his disciples. They got to see him in action, up close and personal, every day. So I was thinking about what story among all of the stories in the Gospels about Jesus would illustrate best this quality of Jesus that he loved the unloved. And I thought about when he touched the man with leprosy, which nobody did. You know, it was like Cootie City. And Jesus didn't care. He, he was willing to touch people that no one would touch. But then I thought, there's, there's a little more to it than that. There are people that were completely rejected by their community because of their character more than their cooties. And so there's a story in Luke chapter 7 where Jesus is anointed by a sinful woman, she's called, and that's the story we're going to look at this morning. Before we jump in, let's just pray. And let's ask God to speak to us. Father, we're, um, we've come together because of you, either because of what you've done in our lives or because we're seeking, hoping to find you, to find more than what we found in life, and we're here just hoping that you will meet us. We've come for each other because we're a family. We love each other to encourage each other. And we've come to open your word and let you speak to us. So as we do that right now, we, we open our hearts and minds to you as best we can. And we ask that you fill in the blanks and make up for our futile attempts to understand you and to approach you and to be like you. And that in these few moments, as we listen to your word, as we learn this story together, that you will do what only you can do inside of us so that it comes out of us like it came out of you. To everyone around you, in Jesus' name we pray. Right on. <clears throat> So the story goes like this. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, Jesus went to his house and reclined at the table. Uh, they didn't have tables and chairs in Jesus' culture. There was a, a low-on-the-floor table or maybe not a table, and they just sort of kicked back on cushions. So that's why often... It says he reclined 
there at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came and brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And then she wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume on Jesus' feet. Now when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, hmm, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him, what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. And Jesus answered him and said, Simon, I have something to tell you. And Simon replied, yes, teacher, tell me, please. Jesus said, two people owed a certain moneylender money. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Now, a denarii was the equivalent of one day's wage for a laborer at that time. And neither one of them had the money to repay him, so the moneylender forgave the debts of both. Now, which one of them will love him more? And Simon replied, I suppose the one who had been forgiven the bigger debt. And Jesus said, you've judged correctly. Then Jesus turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You put no oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And then Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. <clears throat> Amazing story. It takes a while to just let it sink in and imagine yourself there. <clears throat> a couple of observations. Some things that hit me as I was reflecting on this story this week, and maybe you've had the same thoughts. You know, this, this supposed sinful woman violated public and social etiquette. She caused a scene. And the host, Simon, was offended. All his guests were offended. But you'll notice that Jesus allowed this taboo. And, and Simon, in his 
thought to himself mentions what it is, that if Jesus were really a prophet, he would know who is touching him, right? That was just not supposed to happen. Jesus let it happen, and he seemed fine with the awkwardness. The other thing that we might miss in our culture is that this woman had let down her hair in public enough so that she could actually dry Jesus' feet with her hair. And this is something that a woman in Jesus' day in that culture, in Jewish culture, never did except behind closed doors at home with her husband. And Jesus was more concerned about the woman than he was about what people thought of him. And he seemed to even encourage this social faux pas and stick it to his host, Simon, and all of his self-righteous guests. He just let it happen, knowing that they would be offended by it. And then the thing that hit me also was that she expressed this unreserved outpouring of emotion for Jesus as if she understood that God forgives what we cannot undo or repay. There was nothing she could do about her sinful life. And notice, as Luke begins the story, he says, a woman in that town who lived a sinful life, not who had at some point in the past lived a sinful life, she was in the process of living a sinful life, and she showed up. And she brought the tool of her trade, this alabaster jar of perfume. She was a prostitute, and this was how she helped make herself enticing and acceptable to the men who purchased her services. The other thing is that this woman arrived with the label of a sinful woman. She arrived at Simon's house living a sinful life, but she left forgiven and no longer an outcast. She left enabled to go in peace. That's what Jesus said. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I wonder a couple of things. Do we worship Jesus like this? Or are we unaware of how much we've been forgiven? You know, Jesus said, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. In other words, it's almost like she knew that Jesus would not reject her. She knew that she would be forgiven. And that's why she was able to show this great love to Jesus, this emotional, awkward outpouring of worship to him? Or are we in the category of the the people who love little because we've been forgiven little, or we think we've been forgiven little? The other question I had was, are we, are you, 
loving the unloved like this. We can't miss this about Jesus, about how he loved people like this woman. So I think the obvious question, if we're going to take anything away from this story, is who in your life needs you to love them with the unconditional love of Jesus? Who in your life is missing out on love that perhaps you could give them? Maybe they don't understand God's love because they've never received it from anyone that has skin on. And it ain't easy. But it's something that we have to grapple with if we're going to be a follower of Jesus. Listen to what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, Matthew captured it about loving the unloved. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 48, Jesus said this. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. His audience thought they were children of their Father in heaven because of their racial pedigree. They were descendants of Abraham. They were Hebrew people, so of course were children of Abraham. But Jesus had a different definition of what it means to be children of our Father in heaven, and that was how we love, loving even our enemies and praying for those who persecute us. Then referring to the Father in heaven, he says, He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, Big deal. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Don't even the pagans do that? And then here's the kicker, this last phrase. Jesus said, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, That puts us off a lot. Let me tell you what this means. The word perfect does not mean sinless here in the language that Jesus used, the language that Matthew captured this in. The word perfect here simply means complete. It means the idea of well-rounded. Be complete in the way you love, is what Jesus was saying. In the way that your heavenly Father is complete in the way he loves. Don't reserve your love for certain people or categories of people. In fact, there's no one outside the spectrum of love of a child of God. Even your enemies and those who persecute you need to receive your love. That's why Jesus is so different from everybody else. He's hard to take sometimes, isn't he? I think there are people all around us who feel unloved and unlovable. And we talk about these types of people a lot here. The homeless, the addict, the prostitute, the prisoner, 
the lonely and alone, the divorcee, the widow, the orphan, the foster child, someone here today within your eyesight. My challenge to all of us, you guys, today is ask God to lead you to someone who needs to be accepted and loved. Ask him to do that. He will. And then just be perceptive. Pay attention to who that might be. Last week I shared with you something that I've started doing when I pull up to a stop sign or a stop light. And that is making eye contact with the person that's on the corner holding their little sign. And uh, rolling down my window and seeing if I can get them to come over. And we have this resource pamphlet that I was going to grab. And so I'm going to walk down here and get it. We have piles of these at every exit and on the table right here. This is something that Pastor Jerome has put together. These are our best go-to organizations in Phoenix who have a gigantic heart and exist for the purpose of helping people who are having a hard time, not just people experiencing homelessness, but especially people like that. And I've been trying to engage these people in as much conversation as I can squeeze in in the 30 seconds or the 60 seconds while I'm waiting for the stoplight and ask them the question, do you want to get off the street? And uh, that usually stops them dead in their tracks. And I remember one, one guy about two weeks ago that I met down here at I-17 in Glendale, and his name was Mark. And I said, Mark, do you want to get off the street? And he looked at me like, I said, you don't have to live like this, man. Can you, can you pass a drug test? Here are my two favorite organizations on this backside, House of Refuge and Phoenix Rescue Mission. They will help you get your feet under you and get off the street. And it was like somebody had just spoken some hope to him. He had these colorful rocks that he was giving to whoever would talk to him or whoever would give him a dollar. And he gave me, a, he gave me one. It's on my bookshelf in my office to remind me about these people who feel unloved and unnoticed don't think that you can't make eye contact. They want to be treated like a human being. So grab some of these, if you're willing, and make it a point to start handing them out. This is a great way to just have a, a few seconds of human contact with someone. So I'm curious. Now, we've, we've told the story, we've talked about it, some of you have followed along, some of you have spent time in this story already this week with your connection group or your disciple group. What, what hits you about this story? Please share with us. We have a microphone in both aisles. What, um, what do you think God is saying to you that he might want to say to the rest of us through this story? Andre. Good, good morning. Um, what strikes me first is the power of forgiveness, the strength that is in forgiving. When I first came to Christ, I had so many grudges held up inside of me. I was going to get these people back and this and that. Mm. And 
I forgave them all unconditionally. And I'm praying, I feel like I need to forgive more, and I'm praying, and God finally enlightened my eyes to the fact that I needed to forgive myself as well for all the things that I had done before Christ. So there's such power in forgiveness. So that's what struck me most. Yes, wow. And, and then I'm definitely going to grab a bunch of those because I live on 7th Avenue in Hatcher, and I can make good use of them. Yes, Amen. you can. Yes, you can. Thank you, Andre. Andre's been with us for a while. It's great to see and hear about your faith. The power of forgiveness. I think that strikes me too. What else did you see? Share with us. This woman had heard enough about Jesus that she felt maybe he wouldn't reject her. Maybe he wouldn't keep this label on her. What a huge risk she took. Dale. So lately I find myself, uh, when, I, when I first got out, I... When you first got out? I first got out of prison. Of, of where? Of prison, okay. Florence North. Thank you. After doing my third stint at three and a half years, a total of 12 and a half years, the Lord had changed my heart a lot. And I used to drive home from work. I used to work for a man named Eric Gertis that came to this church. And I would drive all over the city doing work for different houses. And every chance that I got, I would stop at a Circle K and I would feed somebody at a Circle K. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Do you need anything? Can I pray for you? And that, that went on for the better part of a year and a half or maybe two years. And during that time, I think at the end of it, like I got more, I don't know how to say it, maybe desensitized to understanding, uh, being more understanding of like, when you get out here in the world, like I see all the homelessness and all the stuff in the very beginning and I used to be super sensitive to it because I was homeless before I went to prison. And now I find myself lately of wanting to live more intentionally because I, I was super intentional about when I first got out but now I'm, I've been less sensitized because I have all these amazing blessings that God has given me in my life, a new wife and a house and all these other things that have taken away my focus from what it should truly be on. And that's what I think that sometimes I need to be more like Jesus. That's what my, my intention needs to be is to focus more on being like Jesus. And lately I've got to go hang out with a couple of my friends down on uh, 10th and Hatcher and talk to them and pray with them and, and, and know that that's where I came from mm. and God has, has given me so much so I, I need to be intentional about giving it back right on, thank you Dale appreciate that you know uh, trying to reach People like that is one of the most overwhelming and discouraging ministries that you can be involved in because you see how far someone 
has yet to go, and it's discouraging. Um, and I think the thing that keeps me going is just this story about Jesus and, and the love and acceptance that he showed to this woman. And then reminding myself of friends like Dale, who, uh, who were there, and how we've had the chance to watch people like him go from absolute lost hopelessness to a flourishing life of knowing Jesus and experiencing his healing and his love and forgiveness. And um, that happens with the Lord. He's the only one that can affect that kind of a change in someone. Yes, brother. Morning, Chuck. I, uh, what got me the most is that I, sorry, get kind of nervous. I uh, lost my EGR person in December, and uh, I didn't know if she knew the Lord. And being able to share that with her before she passed on, my mom, was um, unforgettable and amazing. So I just wanted to... Thank you for that. And we, uh, you say your mom passed in December? That's still really fresh. We're sorry, man. Some of you have experienced loss like that. Be some encouragement to our brother here. We're going to go right into uh, sharing our Lord's Supper together. But before we do, let's just pray. Father, thank you for your love and goodness. Thank you for preserving the story of your encounter with this sinful woman so that we can just have a a front row seat to see what happened, what you did, what you didn't do. Lord, may we be more like you than like Simon and his guests. Fill us up with your love so that it overflows into the lives of people who feel unloved and who desperately need a taste, a glimpse of your extravagant, unbridled, unconditional love. Make us like that. Make us like you. We want to be children of our Heavenly Father who love in a complete way like you love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.